Please enjoy this sport bloke segment from an upcoming or recent episode. It's 8.49 p.m. WA time. I'm looking at your screen, you bugger. I'm, I'm first Five, like... four, <laughs> three, two, one. It's 8.50. It's 8.50 on Thursday, the 5th of May. So we're releasing this clip because we want to give people time to listen to it before game one of the grand final series. I know myself, Shui, when it comes to finals time, particularly if my team's in it, I can't get enough of the media out there. I want to listen to everything. I want to read everything. I want to see everything. So we'll do our best to release this. But keep an eye out for the full episode. We'll have some NBA, tiny bit of AFL, another very heavy basketball episode. So once you've listened to this, please do keep an eye out because we'll talk about the NBA and we'll talk about the future too. So let's get stuck into it, hey? Mm -hmm. The first time since 2017, the grand final is a matchup between the third and fourth seeds. The Wildcats beat the Hawks in 2017. That was the Bryce game series, obviously. Funnily enough, both games one and two were 89-77. Sorry to bring that up, Cody. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And oh my goodness, what what a story. We've we've got to start with that series, don't we? The one for Melbourne United, finished top of the ladder, did very well. Neither of us picked them in the playoffs. No. But, geez. Now, again, I won't ask you if they choked because... They obviously did. Well, there's two There's two things. One, if Tassie end up winning the grand final, that maybe takes away from the choke a little bit. But two, because we're doing more choke specials and things, <laughs> we might even look at it. So, anyway, again, keep listening in the future weeks to kind of uh, hear our updates on where we're heading with the show. Just quickly, Nate, before we sort of get into the series, I have to say, calm as a bitch, isn't it? Oh, sure is. Yeah, careful what you wish for, Melbourne yes. United. <laughs> so Melbourne thought that screwing the Wildcats over and getting Tassie in was the easier pass to the grand final, but it bit them in the ass royally. It really did. And look, had the Golding injury not happened, maybe they would have been okay, but it did happen. And I think you could collectively hear all of the Red Army yelling out, suck shit, as the final buzzer went on this series. <laughs> I was really happy with how it was officiated. It was very tough and very physical. But I thought it was officiated super well. I'd be happy if the if the league was officiated like this all the time during the regular season. Wow. I completely disagree. Oh, really? Uh, I thought the amount of stuff they let go was ridiculous. Too much? Yeah, okay. Ridiculous. I, I just, I, I like flowing games without stoppages and look, without replays. It, and I mean, I know Joe on the Pocket Podcast said a similar thing. Yeah, look, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a little bit fairer than I was expecting. I thought... At one point, I think I took a screenshot of a foul count that was like six or seven nothing to Melbourne United. And I thought, oh, here we go. The, the refs are going to screw over Tassie. Right. Which game was this? I think it was game three from memory. Oh, okay. Where okay. I think it was the first six or seven fouls went on Tassie. And I thought, no, oh, this is not. Yeah, right. right. I didn't pick up on that. I don't recall that. But okay. it, it did even out fairly quickly. And, and eventually it got to the point where I thought, well, this isn't actually that relevant anymore and deleted it. But yeah, I, I thought. Don't get me wrong. I, th- I think it was very fair in terms of the fact that they were letting stuff go both ways. But Jesus Christ, it was physical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like to the point where you go past saying, oh, it's playoffs, it's playoffs. No. Yeah, okay. Oh, it, that's interesting. It, that's... it felt like a game of rugby at one point. Well, I, yeah, I, I guess I, I like it when there's not as many stoppages and when it doesn't become a free throw shooting contest no, and that enough. sort of thing. Should we go through the games? So, look. Game one was a real grind. It went according to plan, really. It was probably the least entertaining playoff game of the entire playoffs in the first round. I don't really have many more notes than that. I don't know if you have much on game one. I mean, a little bit. I, I, the way that I have it is exactly the same. Yeah, it was a grind. It went according to plan. That Those are perfect ways to sum it up. The way I looked at it was I thought, Tazzy are going to push them with their effort. Ultimately, Melbourne are going to be too big and smash them on the boards. And they did that. 52 yeah. to 32 plus 20. Yeah. That is 
beyond a smashing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's huge. The points in the paint, plus 12 to Melbourne. Second chance points, plus 12 to Melbourne. Those three are an absolute surefire recipe for success, I guess. Yep. JLA killed him, 21.7 boards, six blocks. First five-block game in a playoff since Larry Davidson all the way back when he was with uh, Illawarra. Wow, okay. 2013 or 2014 or something like that. Yeah, interesting. Um, do you know what else is interesting with Larry Davidson? It feels like he has been retired for ages. It does. He was actually born the same year as us for starters, which is kind of scary. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it's only been six years. Yeah. It okay. feels like it's been like 10. And Maddie Knight only retired one year after him. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, Caleb Agata, excellent. Didn't even matter that Golding shot the ball terribly. They pressured Tazzy into poor percentages, like 36% shooting. Josh Majet was a non-factor. It didn't look great. But it was not, looking ominous, wasn't it, after that first game? Yes, but not nearly as bad as Delhi's left-handed free throw. <laughs> Did that come up about five feet short? <laughs> so I have to say this. This uh, pisses me off because there's that DoorDash ad where, yes, with the- <laughs> where, where he's playing against the scrubs and he takes a left-handed jump shot at one point. I don't have any faith that that even went close to the ring there. <laughs> So that gets so much discussion on Twitter. Yeah, so it should. Uh, so yeah, it a bit should. of a nod to DoorDash. There you go. So yeah, that that exactly right. That went exactly to plan. Now, game two. Fantastic. So Tazzy could have very easily just rolled over, said, we're far too short. We're done. Just happy to be here. But boy, oh boy, did they fight. And I'm really glad that so quite early in the piece, Golding copped a bit of an elbow, but he flopped big time. And it was really interesting, like Gazy and them in the commentary were like, oh, if this was the regular season, they would have spent 10 minutes going through replays and reviews and this, that, and the other. So I'm really glad they let that go because it wasn't a flagrant. He flopped. I think Jack McVeigh hit him, though. I, I don't think it was as... He did hit him, but he flopped. It like, was, it wasn't flagrant. It was, no, absolutely yeah. not. It's not as big a flop as we, people expect from Golding because he, he does have a bit of a history. But he did... Get, oh, he has he a got, huge history. But yeah. he got hit. By yeah. It. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So they managed to hold Melbourne to 12 points in the first quarter, which really set the table quite nicely. As the game unfolded, though, you're kind of thinking, holy shit, our predictions last week could ring very, very true. But they didn't. And I'm afraid I can't remember the guy's name, but a bloke from Clutch Radio said the other day that you could literally feel the stands shaking. That's how loud and crazy it got. And I don't think it came through on the television broadcast that well, but I actually... And it's really cool that Clutch Radio still have all the full game calls up. I don't know if you're aware of that. But I went back and listened to the fourth quarter of both game two and game three today while I was at work. And boy, oh boy, they were loud. You like the commentary, you could barely hear the commentary at times. So I fully believe that those stands were shaking. It was incredible. Well, I think we'll maybe talk about the the fan side of things maybe after we get to the end of game three. Yes, sure. Um, Spoiler alert, it went through. a very important note. They played Enter Sandman and Crazy Train on back-to-back possession. Did hear Sandman? I didn't remember Crazy Train, but there you go. Back-to-back, yeah. That so is, I was, I was very, uh, that, very happy that with is that. Cool. Where do, where do you want to go? What have you got with this one? Well, I, I mean, I love the fact that Tazzy made adjustments, and and this is where the signs of a great coaching staff really come to the fore. Is when a team has played well, pushed a team really hard to the line, and the other really weird thing from Game One, I have to say. Tassie got it back to like a six-point game and then subbed Adams out of the game. Like, I don't understand why that. He just hit a three. They subbed him out. I don't know if it was like an offense for defense sub. Oh, yeah, okay. And they get the ball back and who's shooting a three? It was like Jared Weeks. 
So if you actually did do some good things in the series, he did he hit some big shots at times. But if Adam, but yeah, yeah, Adams is your preferred. Yeah, yeah. If that's Adams and he hits it. It's a three point out anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they made it. As I say, all of these adjustments, they evened up the points in the paint. They evened up the rebound count to an extent. They forced United to take more threes, which was great. Oh, and they were woeful the whole series from beyond the arc. Well, it was the right game plan. Keep him shooting outside. Do you want the full stats for the, the series? Oh, I know that they were one for 16 at one point in that second game. I'll tell you what, let's leave that for the end of the... Okay, yep, yep. But they, they were terrible. Golding three of 12 was actually a highlight. Yeah, right. Which is not great. And he did hit some timely shots where you're starting to go, ooh, could they steal this one? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was a bit surprised at one stage. Early in the second quarter, United were down seven. They had Delhi, Joe Luala-Chul, Ariel Huckporty, and Caleb Agata all on the bench. Weird, weird lineups at some stages mm. by Vickerman. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, I noted that too. Actually, there were some interesting lineups. Yeah, there were. But they, you know, you look on the flip side. Tassie got awesome minutes out of Clint Steindl, Jared Bearstow, all of these cast. Bearstow was fantastic in both games. Like, granted, playing a role, he doesn't have big numbers, but timely boards, timely buckets, played good. Good D, like the whole team plays. He and Chris Levich played. Yeah, oh, Chris Levich as the super, super undersized centre. Well, and Jack McVay, for that matter, as really undersized guys that small forwards playing power forward or centre, basically, Mm. did terrific jobs on guys way taller and bigger than them many times, yeah. Mm. Speaking of Chris Golding that you mentioned before, what do you make of that, that overturned three where he kicked out, they've called the foul pretty late in the game from memory, yeah, I called it straight away. As soon as it happened, I was like, challenge that. Yeah, well, it was interesting on Clutch Radio. One of the guys, even after the game, because I heard a bit of the aftermath as well when I listened today, he was still kind of scratching his head. But I agree. I think that Golding created the contact and and it was the right call. It was gutsy, very gutsy. And I don't know, would they have overturned it if it was a Melbourne home game? But I think it was the right call. I, I just, I think there was a point where the leg was further forward than a natural shooting motion. Definitely. So, yeah, you've got to call it. And I can't remember who the defender was at Adams. I can't remember who the defender was, but he clearly tried to avoid Golding and he would have avoided him had he not kicked his leg out. So I think that intent maybe played a part too because he clearly wasn't trying to foul. He was trying to avoid yeah. it. Yeah. And you know what? It's hard to know. If, it, if that's, say, Bryce Cotton, for example... It's hard to know whether we would feel the same way or whether, you know, the Wildcats coloured glasses would come on and we'd be like, oh, no, because he does. He gets fouled on a lot of throws. Oh, of course he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's hard to know whether we would have the same viewpoint if it was a cotton three as opposed to a golding three. So it... Oh, of course. I, I personally, I think it probably was an offensive foul. I don't have a problem with it, but it, it was yeah, a big, big, big play. I do just have to quickly say, and you were saying before how we were kind of getting excited... Said last week, we thought it was going to come down to a, a stage where Tassie were ahead by a little bit and they would lose in heartbreaking fashion. And I actually went as far as to say five points. up yeah. five with 40 seconds left. Yep. And that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. And I know I was thinking, I know you were thinking, oh, absolutely like, holy shit, yeah, yeah. this could yeah. happen. Yep. And yeah, sure enough, Mikhail McIntosh makes a massive, massive play late in that game. He was big on the boards in games two and three. He, he played very well in games two and three as well. I think of all the third imports in the league, he's had the biggest growth across the season out of all of them. Oh, definitely, definitely. And like I said a few weeks ago when when Magne went down, it wasn't great that he went down, but it was, it was great for McIntosh because I think he really blossomed in those circumstances where he probably didn't feel like he'd get pulled off the court as often or as quickly. And he could really make a, a really important impact. And they'll need an impact from him in, in the final series for them to have any chance. Absolutely. 
any chance. So game three was a bit interesting for me. I don't know. You probably watched it live, did you? I did. So people that listen to us regularly enough will know that I MC a quiz on Monday nights. And, and so I got to the pub at about 6.30ish and it's a sports bar. And I'm thinking, oh, and I have to like shield my eyes. But luckily they didn't have it on. They had rugby. They had other stuff on. And our slide screens went up at like seven o'clock. And so I managed to avoid the result. Didn't listen to the radio on drive home, nothing like that. Managed to avoid the result. So I don't think I even finished watching till nearly 2 a.m. Wow. <laughs> Tuesday morning. Oh, that's brutal. But, oh, my God, I was so just captivated by the whole thing, even, even down to the, the suspense that the time issues brought on. You know how they had to yeah, have yeah. a couple of delays? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't actually fast forward. I only fast forwarded through the breaks. So I watched the full quarters and just kind of, Tried to replicate that live experience as much as I could. Yep. And as I say, yeah, it was just so captivating and just, oh my goodness, what a game. So we probably need to address just quickly, I guess, the turning point in the whole series at that stage. About an hour before tip-off, it was announced that Chris Golding wouldn't suit up. He had a calf injury from the warm-ups. He shot the ball pretty poorly in the first two games, but you still have to honour him and you have to chase him around. Oh, he's a closer. And their offence is very different without him. And, and so that was game one at that stage. And yeah, we started speculating on the chat, didn't we? We were kind of, so this was a couple of hours before. So we were like, oh, no, they should still win. But it does, it, it shrinks the margin for error a lot. It, yeah, it does. And that was the first Melbourne United playoff game that Golding's ever missed. Yeah, right. In their entire franchise history. It's only Vickerman's second ever home loss in the playoffs, I there believe. Yeah. Yeah, yep. So I have to ask this question straight off the bat. Was there ever a game that suited Josh Adams better than this one? And I'll, I'll maybe clarify that. Kind of poor shooting from both sides. The more that shots were missed, the more you could kind of see that people's confidence were dropping, except for Adams. He was the only guy that no matter how many times he missed, he actually looked as confident as he was before that. Oh, yeah. He's one of those guys that just, or what Bill Simmons calls an irrational confidence player. Definitely, Absolutely. Definitely. Jeez, he's got a lot of mongrel in him, doesn't he? He does. He, he's like, he's a, a word away from a tech foul at any given moment, I feel like. <laughs> hey. and, and I felt like a couple of times in game three, I'm like, oh, shit, mate, you've done a lot of good work here. Don't ruin it with a tech. Yeah. He was yeah. very lucky. How's this? He's the first player to score 30 in the 40-minute game era when he had none at quarter time. Yeah. Okay. So he had 30 in three quarters in an away playoff game. I think the thing that impressed me the most was that early in the game, the jump shots weren't really going for him. and. Roth sat him down, gave him a couple of words, and he got back in and he just started attack mode. That's right. Get, to the, get to the rack. Yep. He couldn't get to the free throw line to save himself. He should have had about 12 or 14 free throws in that game. It was ridiculous. But he kept attacking and just not thinking about the contact. And he finished. And he knew that he was the best player on that court. Yep. That, that you could see that. You know, other guys made big plays. I mean, Josh Majette's three against the shot clock late in that game was just huge. Jack, oh, he had some timely threes the entire series. He, he yeah. did. Yeah. Jack McVay had that tough fadeaway over Jack. Oh, he had a couple of really tough shots. Yeah, but, but really that, tough. That's what he's been doing yeah, all yeah. season. What a game. Fantastic. Good D. Oh. But the shot. Oh, yes. So that double step back, which quite frankly is still a travel to me, after he carried the ball, but... Let's not focus on the... No, well, John Morant carries the ball every time he touches. I mean, so many players carry the ball these days, don't they? It's just one of those things. But yeah. essentially, a double clutch three as the defender went past him, all bottom. Yeah. I mean, that's the time. And, and Homicide called it. He said, that's game. Yeah. No one's coming back from that. I'll tell you what, though. They nearly threw it away twice, I reckon. 
Because I reckon they thought they had it won or knew they had it won, inverted commas. They can say that now that they did win on two different occasions. One was with about five minutes left. And then one was with about two minutes left. And then Jack White played really well down the stretch in both games oh, two the, and three. The, the alley-oop. Yeah. Three, oh, yeah. they had two massive alley-oops in both games two and three. Like, at really timely, important alley-oops. Now, they didn't end up winning, but gutsy calls and great execution. Yeah, and then getting... But yeah, getting, Melbourne yeah. was still in it because people were missing free throw. Both teams were woeful from the free throw line. Horrific. Where Melbourne were like, what, 50% almost? Give 10 time. of 19 or something? This is where we need Jackson McDonald. I know, <laughs> I know he had the stat on Twitter somewhere, but yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. But oh my goodness, McIntosh had some massive O boards to keep possessions he alive did. for Tassie down the stretch. A guard fouled out, which was pretty big. On a stupid play as well. And he, he didn't have a great game, did he? I mean, it, that... I think a lot of the reasons why we picked Melbourne out of the playoffs kind of came to the fore without Golding playing, wasn't mm. it? Like it, it just, some of their deficiencies offensively and defensively, they're amazing. And Illy had a really good game and he played good D. But without Golding, they were exposed. I think I think absolutely Melbourne were outcoached and I think they failed in two areas. I think they didn't run enough and I think they didn't use the bigs and go inside enough. Mm. And they started that fourth so well. JLA had a couple of shots. A little like JLA was going to go base mode and score 15 in the last quarter or something. He and took, then it he, just... He took like 10 shots. It just stopped happening. Like they started the quarter really well, but they, they weren't pounding it inside. I, I don't know. I think they missed a trick. And then there was another play where Udai Barber just sprinted down the court and he missed the layup. But that if they'd had that sort of intent for the rest of the quarter, they'd probably win the game. Mm. But they just weren't... They, they allowed Tassie to control the tempo far too much. Yeah. So this to me feels like as big a Cinderella story as like the miracle on ice, that sort of level. Like it is one of the best stories. I do want to kind of sum up the series with a few little key talking points. So we mentioned before the three-point shooting. Yep. For United in all three of those games, they shot 53% or more from two and 20% or less from three. Wow, yeah. 17 of 88 at at 19.3% from the series. Yeah. That's horrendous. It is. The pickup of Udai Barba was meh, really didn't really do much. Same sort of defensive player. Well, they just didn't give him many minutes. I think Illy, Illy took some of the minutes he would have had last season. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, he didn't. And a for that yeah, matter. He didn't shoot the ball well. He didn't have a half court shot while traveling. <laughs> but I think we saw the difference that Jock Landau made last season. That guy who refuses to let his team lose. You saw it. Every time they were back against the wall, Landau demanded the ball. And he would hit a three. He would get yeah. No, get, it's a good point. He'd get to the basket. Yeah, whereas JLA yeah. didn't really have that same sort of thing. United just couldn't score against Tassie. Like of their six lowest totals this season, five of them. Were yeah, I saw that. They showed that on the game. Five. Yeah. Yep. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And under eighty every single time, and in the low seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Very it's impressive. Not pretty. Now the crowds. We kind of mentioned this. What a letdown for Melbourne. Oh yeah, yeah. Particularly game three. You need that sixth man. It was terrible. I've got numbers for you. Okay. So we always talk about Sydney crowds being kind of average, but I mean, you've got a semi-final series. They threw out 5,268 in game one, 4,816 in game three. Mm, the home of basketball. Yeah, exactly. Did they, do you reckon they took it for granted and people were pinching their pennies for the grand final series? I think, I think they did. Yeah. Because this is the thing. Tassie had more at game two, and their stadium holds nearly 6,000 less than John Kane Arena. Wow. Well, and there was a fair few Tassie fans at game three. They were louder than the Melbourne yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah, they were really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're on, the Tassie crowds are unreal. I saw a guy in the Tassie game who would have been, like, mid-30s 
with his face painted, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. His face was painted. Yeah. He was like our age. Yep. That's how excited they are. Well, and I, here's my note here. This is a crowd that doesn't take live sport for granted mm. because they've had so little of it. Yep. It, it all is very meaningful. Yep. It is. Yep. And I did see on one of the Melbourne United fan pages on Twitter after game one, they made some excuse. Oh, it's a Thursday night game and it's the semis. Even Perth has poor crowds in semifinals. Bullshit. Oh, yeah. No, that was rubbish. We would have got more at game one yeah. than they had in both of them. Combined. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's a Melbourne problem, not a Perth thing. No, no, no. No, don't drag Perth. It's yeah. Yeah, Perth, Perth prop up the crowd numbers yeah. consistently. So Tassie, the first expansion side to make a grand final since Geelong in 1982. That's 40 years ago. Yes, the Victoria Titans made it in 1999 in their first season. But, but that they, was more of a merger. That was a rebrand, yeah, effectively. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, amazing. In that vein, Shuri, I just wanted to highlight a couple of tweets. Now, this is fully like just leeching off Liam Santamaria's <laughs> Twitter. Like These are all, all replies to him. So, you know, hats off to him and... and Shout out to all these people. David Bartlett, 30 years of hurt are over. I was at the last game of the Devils as a season ticket holder of five years. This is me sitting next to my son and wife at the Jack Jumper semi-final game, the best of times. He's been a really good follow on Twitter. There's a lot of, there's some really cool, and we finally got some Tassie listeners. It took a long time to get Tassie listeners on our, our the last of the party, but um, Shane Crixus, I have been bitter towards the NBL for 26 years. Devils were my life as a youngster. I, and I can relate to that. If the, if the same thing had happened to the Wildcats, I would have been bitter too. I can completely understand. Shirley Williams, I am one of them from the devil days. Was there for their last game. Cried along with most others present. Have shed a few tears at different times throughout the season in awe of what the JJs achieved in their first year. Mark Blackburn. I'll paraphrase this one a little bit because clearly the uh, Twitter character counts has been factored in here. So Matt, Matt Blackburn. I was at the game when the Jack Jumpers were announced and I told my kids we were getting memberships. They had never been to a basketball game. I got eye rolls and yeah, yeah, dad. Now I can't keep them away. They gave up big bash games for the JJs. Unthinkable 12 months ago. And that's why I included that one because there's been a lot of talk about Tassie sport and the AFL and this, that and the other. So that's big. And then finally, Mark Nash, former player Mark Nash. Former Adelaide 36er. Well, and... And Brisbane Bullet, I believe. And, and Hobart Tassie Devil. Tassie Devil, yeah. I played in that last game in 96. We thought the team would be back in 98. It's such a joy now to sit in the stands and watch with my teenage kids. The basketball environment in Taz right now is unbelievable. And it really is. It really, really is. Now, before we go to our picks, we've got to talk about the other series, which is almost forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> <In a way. laughs> so Hawks and Kings. So Kings threw in a sweep, which isn't surprising, but is in a sense, because they didn't have home court. But like we said, we wouldn't have been surprised with any outcome, mm. really, would we? Game one was a real arm wrestle, I've got to say. There was an entertaining first quarter, quarter and a half maybe, before Sydney basically broke the game apart with a 30 to nine second quarter. Illawarra actually got it down to eight with just over six minutes left and then got it down to 78-75 on a duop race three with about three minutes left. So you're thinking, oh, okay, Illawarra have got a bit of fight here. But then the Kings outscored the Hawks 11 to three from that point on and... Yeah, I don't know. Not not the best of games. Illawarra put up a bit of a fight, as they should at home, mm. but Kings got it done. Yep, that's it. I mean, Jalen Adams was superb, 30 points in the game, just in case we didn't believe he was the MVP of the league. Oh, I don't think there'll be many people. I think the only kind of criticisms about the MVP was the amount of games he played, but that's, I mean, even then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then game two, I mean, the Hawks threw it away. With about two minutes left in the second, they had a lead of 54 to 39 after a great block by defensive player of the year, Antonius Cleveland, who took it the length of the court for a layup. And they absolutely had it under control. And then in the second half, it was just 
complete turnaround. Really disappointing. There were a couple of one of the things that I did actually notice that just has me pulling my hair out. In the third quarter, Kings are up by 16. There was a transition opportunity. Cleveland, we know what sort of player he is. He is an athlete. He's a, a rim runner. and Aggressive. Yeah, instead of running the lane for a dunk, he floated out to the three-point line. No one was within 15 feet of him. And what do you think happened? He missed. Yep. So, and Rath and Mays took some bad shots. Yeah. Tyler Harvey, oh, my God. He is infuriating. I mean, like for how, every how many times do I have to oh, say? I told you like, like for oh. every for every good thing he did in that game, it felt like he'd followed up with two bad things. And some of the like offense with like step back threes over two guys with no passing. Oh my god! If I were a Hawks fan, I'd be pulling my hair out, and I'm already losing it. I mean, so. shock horror. <laughs> like <laughs> I know you're not surprised. All fucking season, I've been saying this. He is just. <laughs> Yeah, he, he would be a coach killer, quite frankly, which we'll speak about in a minute, funnily <laughs> enough. But I, I think I saw this really wild stat, and I think this sums up what my issue with the Hawks was all season. Yep. And, and I can ask you straight up, what have I said were the big problems with the Hawks? Tyler Harvey yes. and... The lack of rotations in the bench. The lack of rotations, exactly. Ian Clark played less than 48 minutes in the series. He scored 33 points on 12 of 22 shooting. Illawarra's entire bench scored 26 on 11 of 43 in, in about, two games in about 85 minutes. Wow. Wow. They got nothing from their bench. Xavier Rathan Mays was a negative 30 in the series in his 48 minutes. Wow. Ian Clark was a plus 36. Ian Clark played some very useful minutes. Very that useful. is your series, though. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And clearly the Hawks weren't listening to Gorge when he was saying fuck every five seconds and go out there and be a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. My favourite timeout of the season. It, well, I think it's the best one of all time. Oh, that Connor Henry one. Do you remember that Connor Henry one from a couple of seasons ago? Nope. Oh, oh yeah, so it's yeah. like you're not blocking out, you're not blocking out, I'm not blocking out, I'm not even fucking playing or whatever it was. <laughs> Ravings of a bad uh, man. Oh, uh, funny. Yeah. So Chase Buford has become the youngest coach in NBL history to sweep a playoff series at 33 years and six months. Trivia without notice. You want to have a crack? It's not written there. It's all right. It's in my head. Oh, good. Okay. Good on you for avoiding the screen. Yeah, man. no, th- 33. Wow, that is young. So he, he pipped the other person by two months. I don't even think I could hazard a guess. Oh, okay. It's going to be something really obvious now. Well, I can give you the year and then it will be obvious. Mm. You don't have a crack first? Go on. Go on. I, I just can't think of any young coaches. This is really bad. I can't think of any young coaches. Okay, well, it's not Dave Ingham when he was in Brisbane. He was pretty young. Oh, yes, I was. Not, 1994. 90, oh, Brett Brown. Brett Brown oh, for the new, course. yeah, for okay. the uh, North Melbourne Giants. There you go. Now, speaking of Chase. The reason for his $10,000 fine, which seemed really excessive at the time, is now more apparent. So he said, Vaughn and Ruben were really good. I just hope we don't have Chris so we have a chance. Now, this was referring to Vaughn Mabry, Ruben Woodcock, and Chris Reed. Now, it worked because the Kings got Mabry, Woodcock, and Aylan in game one. They didn't get Reed. Now, they are getting Reed in the grand final. I'm getting Chris Reed. I saw that. So apparently he scribbled NBL refs fucking suck on their door or something. Hmm. Holy shit. Like, no wonder he got the... Like, that's that's very unprofessional. Uh, and especially coming from the Steve Kerr of the NBL. Who I, I look, I don't rate him as a coach. I think he's been blessed by having an amazing roster. And I, and I still, I don't rate him as a coach. 
I just think he's he's blessed the same way that Steve Kerr has been. Well, I tell you what, he might get his stepping stone because they're almost certainly going to win. Let's do picks. Do you think Buford would have made even the the even the playoffs with Tazzy's roster? Great question. Can I follow it up with a two letter answer? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> two letter. <laughs> I was going to say no, and then I just changed it. Yeah, because fair I, enough. Fair. Two words. It just there's, became. There's yeah. just no chance he makes it without roster. Yeah. That's an interesting. It's an interesting point. Yeah. It's but instead, he'll probably win and go to the NBA on the back of a grand final win in his first season. Well, he's got the MVP of the league. He's got probably the best second import and the best third import in the entire league. He's got one oh, of... He's Xavier Cooks, who could be NBA. Yeah, best. he's got one of the best Australians in there. And then that doesn't even take into account all the other guys. So, But the Kings, they don't even have Hunter. It's an impressive, an impressive oh. road to the finals. Oh, I thought you were going to say an impressive roster. Well, it's an impressive roster and too. Pay and payroll, which I know. Well, is, oh, look. Yeah, no, no, we, I know the Wildcats are the yeah, same. I'm just saying, like, yeah. So, so what's your pick? Oh, I mean, we went 0 for 2 in the semi final. So <laughs> I, I think we may as well go for the trifecta Sydney in a sweep. There's your kiss of death. Oh, look, I'll give Tassie one. Their home crowd was just so good. I'll, I'll pick the Kings in four, which would mean that they would win on Tazzy's home deck, I'll, I'll, I'll pick the Kings in four. Do you think the length of the series diminishes Tazzy's chance of winning? If it was best of three, would you give him a chance? Probably more of a chance, yeah. And I think that first game's really important. I think they really need to win that first game to have any shot. And I think their margin for error is even slimmer. There's still things they can tighten up. Like Adams threw that horrible pass with about five seconds left that yeah. he shouldn't have thrown. There was some, like I said, they thought I had, they had it won on a couple of different occasions. And they made some poor decisions as a result of that, in my opinion. They can't afford to do that against the Kings. What they really can't. Best of one first basket wins. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. But do you think do you think the Kings bigs will do better than the, the United bigs did? I think they'll be a lot more disciplined. I, I think, yeah, if you look at someone like Xavier Cooks, he'll be relentless. I think he'll be a really important piece. If Jack McVay thinks he's going to be able to stop him, he's... Got another thing coming. The only saving grace is Jarrell Martin's a bit shorter physically, but he's he's a big guy. But he's yeah, he's yeah. also Chris Levick will have his hands full. Again. Yeah, and the fact that he can float out and shoot the three at a high clip, it's yeah. Uh, I dare say, get the crown ready, Kings. Yes, most likely. Yep. But can't wait. Can't wait. And while we're doing Twitter shoutouts with our NBL community, Stewie, Full Court Fitness made a really good point. Ants by nature are annoying in copious amounts. They are workers, hustlers. Kings, historically are lazy, overweight, get others to do their bidding. They have their throne and riches, but no passion as they are above the peasants. Mm. Go Jack Jumpers. Shout out, Westy. <laughs> Love it. And, and we forgot to mention last week, KO freebies, which is really good. So watch. If you don't have pay TV, you can watch it for free. Even if you do. Yeah, well. Watch. Yeah. No, please. Speaking of watching, NBL Sprint. Interesting concept. Yeah, it was interesting. I, it was something that I hadn't actually seen. And shout out to Joseph on the NBL Pocket Podcast for coming up with the idea. It's Look, it's interesting. It's a, it's a great idea, I guess, for the casual fans. If it can draw casual fans in, I'm all for it. The thing I like about it, and apologies for this, this sounds a little bit backhanded, Joseph. It's different to something like an Elam ending because it's not moving the goalposts. The product stays the same. It's just how it's delivered. For people that only want to watch a condensed version and watch what I guess is deemed as the important stuff, which is the fourth quarter, 
go ahead and do that. If it doesn't change my viewing experience... No, then, I'm going to watch the full game. But I'm, if it drags in some casual fans, yeah. fantastic. The only thing is, what if it was a really great first three quarters and a really shitty fourth quarter? Wow. But, yeah. Do you, know, do you know what it will help with? Like Cairns and New Zealand games and Adelaide <laughs> games? It'll help you get through those. Yeah, it's not a full game, but it's not a mini. Yeah. 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 Good times. Now, just quickly, it's come out that Gorge is... Has he stepped down as the Illawarra coach? And Matt McQuaid picked it like a dirty nose last week. He basically said that if... So we just had to uh, pause to find his name, finding Dory. Dory Kadai. So so basically Matt McQuaid said that if, if Dory's gone, Gorge will be gone. And sure enough, that's what's happened, isn't it? And in that presser after the second game, it did sound like basically a retirement speech. I mean, he's not retiring. He's still with the Boomers. But, oh... It's not a good sign for me. No. The Hawks, I mean, Wraith could leave. Uh, Emmett Nash should leave. Well, yeah. Well, it might be the only reason he stays because he might go, well, maybe the next guy will give me minutes. But uh, I worry for the Hawks after mm, this. They could bit. fall from grace after this. So it was such a coup to get Gorge in. Yeah. Yeah, it's talk they might be moved into Sydney. Or Canberra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Oh, speaking of, there's been talk of a second Perth team, yeah, which that. is absolute craziness. It's that way, that's a really good way of, of potentially hurting the entire market. Why would you dilute the pool like that when you've got a successful team? Hmm. I don't know. Start bringing the Dockers in. Well, <laughs> I think footy is more popular, so the Dockers True. were more sustainable. True. I, I, I think Perth is a one-team town when it comes to basketball, I so. and I think adding an extra team would be absolute lunacy. It would be. Being of Perth, Bryce has re-upped for three years. So that's a tick in the new ownership uh, column. Yeah, good to see Hutchie at the press conference. Oh, look, that doesn't bother me too much. He's a busy man with media commitments and, and whatnot. I'm happy they signed him. That's the main thing. It's good to see him being hands-on. And the playing stuff. Still a lot of negativity on Twitter about it. I was surprised. I expected there to be more support for it. But no, no, I, I, no support got, from us. I've, yeah, and no, I've got no time for it. If you can't figure out who the top four teams are, uh, yeah, it just it would have been such an anticlimax. Yeah, I, I really, honestly believe that. Yeah, and so, we've had many seasons where the fifth team has been under five hundred. So why give them a shot? Exactly. Don't reward mediocrity. The league will expand soon. We can expand the playoff field when the league expands. Yep. Once you get up to twelve teams, yeah, make it six. Yep. Thanks for listening to this sport bloke segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sportblokes.